Welcome to this episode of the Streamline Podcast. My guest today is Andrea Young. Andrea, welcome. Thanks. Glad to be here. You have a much cooler setup than I do today, I must say. For anybody that's watching the live video stream, what's going on in the background there? Yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm in Rochester, New York, and I'm at a record store that's been around for 45 years called Record Archive, and they are so cool. And I was here last night. They have a performance space in the back of the store, and I was here last night for their Elvis Presley tribute with a band out of Albany called the Luster Kings. It was rocking. It was so much fun. And um, they're so kitschy. I mean, look, look, it's so camp. It's so fabulous. So I thought it'd make a good backdrop <laughs> talking about music. Certainly does. And uh, it kind of puts mine to shame, but that's okay. <laughs> I, um, I have to do some decorating after seeing that. Or, or come to Record Archive and, and, and uh, buy some kitschy things that will help you make atmosphere. Definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, and Andrea, uh, for anybody that isn't familiar with you and your work with DPG Worldwide and previous uh, work as well, could you introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, you know, I've, I've been around the space for a long time and I've seen lots of changes, of course, but um, I've, I, I've run a public radio station. Um, I have a radio show. Um, but some years ago, I started to help artists understand the streaming space because it was, you know, this was three or so years ago. Um, and I started out as Coral Young, and now the company is DPG Worldwide. But pretty much what we do is um, we, we build artists' presence on the streaming platforms with them and their teams. So we're just looking for best practices and everything that we can find about the best way to do that because you know better than anybody how Wild West crazy it is out there, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it's crazy, but it's fun. Oh, it's really fun. Yeah, we, I love it. So I've been a curator. Curation's my passion. So live shows are not my passion. Curation's my passion. So I'm all about recorded music. That That's just something that I love. Um, and so that's our that's our focus. That's what our team does. We just reach out um, through user generated playlists, through third party playlists, which is just one of those ways to build your following, build engagement. It's one one of the ways, right? One of many, and no yes. doubt we're going to spend a lot of time on that topic today. I think that's how you and I first connected was the power of playlists. And yes. <laughs> yes. I remember our first meeting very well because it was meant, I believe it was one of those meetings that was meant to be maybe one hour and then it ended up being more than half a day and I believe you had a flight to catch and that was the only reason we had to stop talking. It was just, it was it was one of those meetings. You just, you find somebody who's on your level who is in the same area as you and I, we just had a lot of fun and we just nerded out. I remember. I do remember that. And uh, that's exactly right. And, you know, that's the thing that that's somehow what I love It's somehow what I love. I don't know why I could love anything. Right. I could love all sorts of other things, but it's but it's curation and playlists and artists and getting music heard. So, yes, I could talk about that all day and all night. So let, let's go. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> right. So. We've actually, this this is great. While you've been chatting, I've been sneakily off camera looking at some of the comments that have come in already. 
We've had a few comments coming in on LinkedIn, so I figured this is a great starting point. Ada Heston uh, wrote this comment on LinkedIn. I can't put this up on the screen, but I'll read it out. What advice do you have for new singer-songwriters starting out and trying to get their music listened to? So new singer-songwriters who are just starting out and trying to get people to listen to their music. Mm. <laughs> yeah, this is our sweet spot, actually. That's a great question. Um, and there are so many answers because I think it really depends where your fan engagement is to start. Do you have any fan engagement? I mean, you have family and you have friends, right? So where is your fan engagement? If it's, for example, on Twitter or, or other social media, then I would start with that fan base and get them, drive them, drive them to the streaming platforms, drive them to listen there, drive them to your profile, drive them to take that journey as a fan, as our friend Ariel Hyatt from Cyber PR says, take that journey as a fan and get started engaging with you. So that's the sort of general answer to that question. There are many specifics that we could talk about as well, but but I think the platforms, they're businesses, do you know? And they want to know that you are driving ears and eyes to their platform. So that's really, I think, what the focus should be, driving your fans to the streaming platforms. Makes Absolutely. Sense? And it's a very good point you made. Some of those fans may already be on the streaming platforms but may not be aware that you are on there, uh, believe it or not. And so by sending them directly to it, you're actually making it easier for them to find you, follow you, and continue to engage with you. Obviously, the other side is there's artists out there that will actually drive their fans or their, their friends, their family to streaming and get them in and encourage them to sign up, even do a free trial. Right. Believe it or not, not everybody still consumes music through streaming. <laughs> So there are still people out there that you could potentially help to convert. And it doesn't mean that they have to let go of that amazing CD collection, their record collection, not at all. It's just another way that they can access music and hear it. So, yeah, definitely going up to them and you may need to just say, hey, have you ever heard of Spotify? Have you heard of Apple Music? Let me show you how easy it is to use and let me show you my music on there. Yeah, you know, I think that's an interesting point. So if your fans are not already on there, you're educating them just like um, the streaming platforms are educating you as an artist as to what you can do to get your music heard. Um, you know, my, my thing is I find music everywhere, right? Like I'm walking through an indoor mall in New York City. I hear a track over the, over, over this, over the loudspeaker system and I, I shazam it, right? I'm in my car, I shazam something or, or whatever. Um, television shows. It's not just on the streaming platforms. But once I hear something I really love, um, I want to know everything about that track. I want to be able to find it. I want to know about the artist as much as pos as, as much as I can as possible. So, so that's the other thing is to make sure if you're starting out, my my recommendation would be that you are everywhere. It doesn't mean you have to have a huge presence because that takes a lot of time and energy and a build. Right? It doesn't happen overnight. But just make sure you can be found 
on Spotify. You can be found by Alexa. I did a really fun thing uh, a little while ago where we work with an artist, Michael Colton. And every time I told Alexa to play Michael Colton, Alexa played Michael Bolton. So I shouted out on social media to Michael Bolton who responded actually um, about how much Alexa loves him more than anybody else. So it was sort of fun. But my point is you, you've got to, you've got to make sure you can be found. Absolutely. And it's funny, it's funny you mentioned the Alexa. Uh, fortunately, mine has been disconnected. I've learned my lesson now after many live streams. I've done so many fun tests to the point where I actually did one in a podcast episode where I said, Alexa, subscribe to the Streamline podcast. I'm not sure if that was the exact phrase that I had to use, but it worked. And I went, okay. And then it a few people actually reported back and said, hey, my Alexa just went off with your voice. So <laughs> it's funny. It's becoming way more common now. People are spending less time looking at their screens and more time with their assistant in their ear, in their earbuds, their AirPods, their, their headphones, or their smart speakers in their home. I mean, we're talking now you've got Alexa in your car. You've got all kinds of stuff going on. So it, it is really important you know it's that voice branding side of it as well being able to tell your fans hey this is how you say my name and make sure it isn't a name that sounds like something else if you, if possible and you find that they might just start asking for you by name you should ask them to do you a favor and ask for you by name as yeah. an artist, right? And you should, like you said, you've done all sorts of tests, so have I. And as an artist, you should test Alexa out and make sure that Alexa can find you. I think that's really important. But I think it's just important to be found everywhere. I, I never assume where someone will find an artist's music. You know, it's like everywhere. Just, just have it as many places as you possibly can, accessible. Definitely. Okay. And, you know, one thing that I do like about these voice assistants is that they can get smarter you can feed information into them. So if you're an artist and you do have a name that is a little unique, when you make a request to these smart speakers such as Alexa, if you have the Alexa app on your, on your phone or your other device, whenever you make a request, it records that. And then you can go in there and actually type exactly what you were looking for. So it goes, hey, Alexa believed that you said this and you can say, no, I, I actually was looking for this. And if enough people do that, they'll start to direct Alexa to the right artist when they're making those requests. So they're getting right. smarter. Right. Sometimes you have to spell it out. Like I, by the way, in that other example, I had to spell out Michael Colton. I had to say, Alexa, play Michael C-O-L-T-O-N. That was the only way I could get Alexa to understand. So, and now Alexa understands. So yes, we're sort of in the beginning of this um, artist discovery through voice. Definitely. And it's, it's funny, everyone assumes that it's new that uh, learning how to pronounce an artist's name and say it correctly. I, I look back to radio where sort of skipping the middle here and, and going back a little bit and showing a bit of my age, but the only way that you would know what song you were listening to was is if the radio announcer would back announce it at the end of the song. So they would say, that was Michael Colton with a C, not Michael Bolton. <laughs> right. When you go into your record store, go and ask for Michael Sultan. Come, I mean, Colton. See, I messed it up. So 
<laughs> that used to be the way that I would find out, okay, I love this song, I love this artist, and then you'd go to the record store and you would put your name and your number down and you would place that order, the pre-order. Whereas now we've, we've got so much technology we've got access to. We've got Shazam. We've got Siri, of course, with Shazam. Oh, right, we, right. we can find out what a song is easily enough, but we, somebody still needs to tell us how to pronounce that artist's name. So yeah. how to request it. And I think it's interesting what you just said, because I've done radio shows for a long, long time, and it's always so torturous to think I might be mispronouncing an artist's name. I have nothing that tells me how to pronounce it. So maybe we'll get pronunciation uh, metadata. What do you think? Possible. Would that be cool? Very cool. Definitely. Yeah, I like that. Okay, it's it's yeah. interesting. You know, when you... Um, when you put a song up with your distributor and you add all this additional information or when you go into Spotify for artists and you submit your song to editorial and you tag the genre or the mood, we could talk about that for days. Imagine if you could also actually do a quick recording of how to pronounce the artist's name correctly so that they can match that. Because all of these apps, you know, all of the DSPs, it's getting to the point where you can request music even within Spotify, there's that little microphone button you can press and you can actually speak what you're looking for. So it, it's definitely going to happen. And uh, it would be great to be able to feed the correct information into there now. And potentially you may see people looking for Michael Bolton who start to get Michael Colton. <laughs> I love the idea. Let's do something about that. I love it. <laughs> definitely. So I'm just taking a quick look at the comments here as well. There's, there's a bit of love for you on LinkedIn right now. There's a few people asking uh, the best ways to get in contact with Andrea. Obviously, we'll put all those up at the end. I have been writing back in the comments as you've been talking, just giving okay. people a link to. Multitasking, are we? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, we've got some, some comments coming in. Druva. I feel like Druva is always tuned in, which is amazing because Druva made a comment in the last live stream uh, Druva was watching at night before going to bed and there was a live stream and then woke up and there was another live stream. So I don't know what the time difference is, but, uh, and we can see here, Druva, you're not too late. We're just getting started. That's right. Joining us. Yeah. Where would you like to take this next? I mean, we could, we could talk for days. We, if we start on playlists, it's going to be, it's going to be a long stream. So, so why don't we start? Was it Helga? What was the name of the person who's? Uh, uh, I think it was Helga that you you mentioned her question, where she she said, "Well, what do you suggest for a singer songwriter just starting out?" Um, yeah, that was uh, Ada. Ada, Ada sorry, Ada. my Ada. apologies. Sorry. So, I think this idea about what some best practices might be if you're just starting out. Let's just say you have music that you've recorded and mixed and mastered that sounds to your ears fabulous, right? I think that's one of the biggest deals is it's got to, you've got to fit in with, with the technical sound requirements of other music out there. It's really hard sometimes on the ears when um, emerging artists um, feel like they might have to skip part of that step. So that's the first thing I would say is just make the production as absolutely fabulous as possible, fully mixed and mastered. But let's say you're sitting on that, right? What do you do? The One of the first things to do is plan way far ahead. I know that sounds really simple, but 
Um, I cannot tell you how many artists come to us with just a couple of weeks before release date. And and their release date is firm for some reason, because we're always trying to talk artists out of releasing too soon. It's, it's really important, um, at least in our world, to have everything set up a long time in advance. Um, a couple months is not too far ahead. And this plays into so many different things. It plays into a couple of things. Number one, you've already mentioned Spotify for artists and submitting your pitch on Spotify for artists. You want to do that sooner than later. You, you have, if you do it at least a week in advance, then every one of your fans following your artist profile, they get your track in their release radar email. That's cool. But you want to do it even further ahead than that to maybe give the editorial teams a chance to discover your music. Those are long shots, but you want to take those long shots, right? We have had a couple of artists that we worked with who have been emerging artists who have gotten on editorial playlists immediately. The majority, that's, again, the majority don't, but we've had a couple percentage of one or 2% of artists who have done that. So I would definitely take the time to to do that. We could spend an entire hour on pitches, Spotify for artists pitches, best pitches. But the the other thing is to get it to your distributor in advance. So plan ahead so that it's to your distributor. Six weeks is not too early. Two weeks is too late, in my opinion. Six weeks is not too early. Again, you want the distributor to be able to have the chance to discover it. You want, you, especially if you're with a new distributor, there seem to be all sorts of things that happen that make it difficult to get things done quickly. You want to be out there with your music prepared way before release date. We usually don't set release dates. When we work with an artist, we, don't, we won't set a release date for at least four to six weeks. Yeah, perfect. And the more lead time, the better. It's the more lead time, the better, right? I, I know the temptation has always been there, especially for an independent artist where they can set their own schedule and they could say, "Hey, I distribute my music with CD Baby," and they could get my song on iTunes as quickly as tomorrow. That is not a good thing. I mean, it's cool that they can turn it around that quick, but. The, nobody is going to get an opportunity to listen to that song within a span of 12 to 24 hours. It's just going to go out and then it's already out. What people don't understand is that most of the work happens in the six weeks before the song comes out. You see people at the major labels on a Friday once all the songs are out and it's the most chilled you will ever see them. Obviously, they're still watching and monitoring, but they've done all the work already. There's nothing they can do once that song is out. It really is the work that goes in in the lead up to it. And that's the same for independent artists. You don't have to be signed to a major. This is for anyone. The more lead time you can give, the more opportunities you can potentially receive. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And this seems to be a big part of the education for artists right now is how important that is. I sort of liken it, I don't love this analogy, maybe you have a better one, Mike, but I liken it to a new car. Once you drive it off the lot, it's not worth as much as it was on the lot. And it's that way with a new track too. It doesn't mean you can't get traction after it's released. But Spotify says, to, to use them as an example, because they're more transparent than the other platforms right now right so they say they don't they only have the bandwidth to pay attention to new releases that's all they have the bandwidth for and again we have this number that everybody's talking about 40,000 tracks on average being released daily so so they say they just can't go back 
and find tracks that have already been released. Their editorial teams are paying attention to what's being released now. So, so once it's out, you are you lose the opportunity to get any traction from them. Again, it might be a long shot, but you lose that opportunity. Also, one thing I wanted to say is when you're a, a new artist just starting out, it's a build, right? So the so the we see this over and over again. So the first track that you put out or release that you put out, we should talk about that too, about releasing staging releases over a period of time. But the first track you put out doesn't have as much of a following as the second. The second has more of a following. Why? Because you've been actively possibly getting your fans to go to the streaming platforms and getting them to listen. And Spotify's formulas and algorithms are starting to pay attention. So that first track you put out, it's not that it's lost, but in some ways the search, the search engines on the platforms haven't found you yet. Um, if you're not doing PR, um, those search functions also can't find you on the web and don't know where to position you as an artist. And you're just really, it's like this pushing a rock uphill for your first releases. Even if you're an artist that hasn't released in a long time, it can be like that too. Definitely. And, you know, I know you mentioned this. I just wanted to mention it again. And not, just another reason, if you, if, if you need more reasons to give yourself more lead time on a release, as you said, you can guarantee that your original song will go into release radar for all of your followers on Spotify as long as you submit that song in Spotify for artists at least seven days before release day. So... That's one reason why, right there and one of many. But also when you're doing that same submission process, you're submitting to editorial. Now, like we said, in seven days, it may not cycle around to the right person and it may not be heard by them in time to be considered before it comes out. If you, if you give four weeks, that's fantastic because there's an opportunity that a few people could listen to it. They could add it to their own playlists. They could be listening at their desk. Their colleague could walk, walk past and hear it and say, I like that song. By the time the song comes out, there's already a few playlists ready, queued up to include that song. So the lead time is crucial. And going along with that, the lead time as far as getting your fans to get excited about your new music, right? And drawing them to the platform in that four to six, six weeks before release. I, my opinion is that that's one of the most important things you can do is somehow get some activity on your artist profile once you've started releasing tracks in the four to six weeks before release. That just shows the platforms that there's some excitement out there. They're not looking to help you build your fan base. They're looking to, to jump on with artists who have a fan base, who are excited about their music, right? Definitely. And that fan base grows with every song as well. Right. And I know you wanted to talk about this next. What's <laughs> great is we actually had a question come in on LinkedIn which is exactly what we're about to discuss. So Alex Schofield wrote this, and let me just abbreviate the question slightly. I hope you don't mind, okay. Alex. But would recording singles during the course of the year, instead of releasing a project EP at the end of the year, be beneficial? Meaning, should I just release singles and stick with singles, or should I build them up and then release a project or EP or album at the end of the year. 
I know you've got some strong opinions about this, so I'm going to let you jump in first, Andrea. And then I want to hear what you have to say too. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think it's different for every artist. I think that we look at what the artist has going on with their fan base, what happened with the previous track that we've promoted and how much material the artist has. So if you're telling me you have a dozen tracks and also how the artist feels about the tracks, as in, are they a piece, uh, a complete piece of work that the artist feels strongly should be part of an album? And all of that, I think, goes into the decisions. But here's uh, having said that and, and saying, okay, it's different for every artist. Right now, if, if what I said is true, which Spotify changes things all the time, all, all the platforms are changing things all the time. But if what I said is still true, which is Spotify only pays attention to, to new releases because that's all the bandwidth they have, then you want to be releasing single tracks or maybe EPs or whatever you can do more frequently to try and get their attention more often. What do you think? Perfect. Now you want to hear my opinion. Look, it's very similar, Uh, maybe attacking from a slightly different angle, we'll see, but I I think we're both focusing on the end goal here and long-term. I always say that if you are working towards an album and you're finishing tracks individually, release them individually and build up towards that album because what happens is Every single song has its own opportunities. You can submit the single track for editorial consideration. You can get it into release radar. With each single release, ideally your following will grow. And then what happens is let's say you release 10 tracks over the span of one year and at the end of the year you release an album that has 15 tracks and 10 of those you released earlier that year. What you can do is you use the existing ISRC, International Standard Recording Code, that's attached to those previously released tracks on your album. And I did this with my own release as well. And the day that that album comes out, people will look at it, they'll scroll down, they'll look at the tracks and they'll see, wow, track two already has 20,000 streams. Track five already has 120,000 streams. Okay, And all of the numbers are actually merging from the single version to the album version and vice versa. So no matter where people are listening, those stream counts are going up and those songs are showing in your top tracks on Spotify. And it it all links in nicely. And obviously the other cool thing is every time you release a single, you can obviously uh, pitch that song for editorial, get it in release radar. When you release an EP or an album or anything with more than one track, you have to choose one track that you can submit. And it can't be a track that you've released previously. So when you release that album and there's some new songs on there, some new tracks on there, you get to pick one of those new tracks to put forward to editorial as well. And what I like about that is when that album track goes into release radar or perhaps gets included in an editorial playlist, which is fantastic, people click from that, go to album, and they get directed to your album with the rest of your music. So I always say do singles and albums and EPs as well if you like, by all means. Uh, Just every time you do a release, include at least one new track. So you've got something new for your fans that you can submit to editorial as well and get all of those benefits. 
I like that. I like that. And also, I think that you also, whether if you're doing vinyl, I mean, I happen to be in a record store, so you should, you can plan um, a timeline for releasing vinyl at some point because everything that you do is another it's another way to engage with your fans. I, I do want to say that sometimes artists will uh, seem to release things too close together. What's the definition of that? I, there's no one definition, but but it's just that you want to engage with your fans, but you don't want to push so heavily on them that they start to get turned off, right? But everything that you do, vinyl, um, if you go out to radio and you start having radio stations, playlisting campaign, press, um, your music, all of those things are opportunities to engage with your fan base. And and it's it's one of the rules of advertising. I don't, you might know, Mike, I can't remember, but it's like how many times you have to repeat something um, in order for it to stick. Do you know, you've got all these, all these uh, opportunities to introduce your brand, engage with your brand. And that's really the goal. I think. That should be the goal. That's it. And... You know, it's also consistency. If you release an album and you only get to put one track forward for consideration for editorial and then everyone has to wait another year before right. you uh, potentially reappear in their release radar and they see you appearing on perhaps some other playlists, that's a long time between. I mean, I always say, especially in the early stages, consistency is the key. People are slowly warming up to you. Right. It's not always the case that somebody will hear one song and fall completely in love with you and become a super fan. Right. It may take a few songs to win them over. 